Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode. I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, as usual. Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. Very good. How are you this morning, I should say, in London? Yeah, yeah, very well. Very well. Sky is blue enough for me, which uh, I'll take on the 1st of March. We're recording this. So the last month, of the first quarter. Amazing how time flies. Uh, and a big shout out to our CEO. It's their birthday today. So happy birthday, Yoni um and uh i hope you enjoy this shout out on the podcast hopefully it's not your best present that you will receive today um how's your week been josh yeah it's been good sam i was actually looking you're talking about the weather i was looking at the weather today uh for london as uh as next mm. friday i will be uh be making my way over back to the uk and uh it does look pretty cold um yes. when i arrive back to minus is as good yeah it's, Which it's been freezing the last few days it's been absolutely freezing we were at crystal palace as as people will know itoro our partner of crystal palace so we were doing uh, an activation there handing out scarves and it was cold and it was windy and i left the 80 minutes to get the train beat the rush and i had to put a little bit of a jog on and my knees were so cold like all my joints were like frozen i actually couldn't run properly i had to run like i was the tin man in the wizard of oz it was uh it must have been a pretty pretty sight watching that but yeah. uh yeah it is cold so do prepare for that okay um nice. this week topics uh we're going to go down the sort of company routes we've got um a few interesting ones for for us to cover we've got the tesla investor day which we'll talk about we'll also go uh, and talk about neo and rivian how does that sound Bit of an EV theme, uh, yes. With it, without sort of any real meaning to go down an EV route, but yeah, seems to sort of maybe the focus of the week with uh, limited sort of macro data out there as well. So some nice topics I think we've got there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we, I, I tweeted yesterday talking about the companies that we were going to talk about today. Uh, so do check those out if you want to have a visual look at the the charts heading into the podcast. I know some of them will have changed slightly from then and, and just before we get into tesla let's talk about the uh the quiz the quiz question for this week so many people uh will know that the s p 500 has been volatile in the last few years uh, and on friday uh, we had our eighth decline of one percent or more this year okay so friday was a day where the market moved uh lower more than one percent how many times did that happen in 2022 uh, a little cue 
clue clue uh for you all is that it was the most since 2008 the answer in 2008 i'm not going to give either because that will kind of give it away but mm. question is how many times last year did the market move one percent or more now let's crack on so first up for us today tesla investor day what is it? I mean, I heard Ben Laidler saying it hasn't been done for a while. So I imagine investors will be keeping a close eye on it. You know, is it a big event? You know, what happens or could happen? Yeah, I think it's a big event. Um, it's a chance to see Musk back at his, his sort of best. I think he loves these type of events. Loves really. He sort of loves loves getting sort of stuck in and, um, you know, sort of playing up to sort of the investors as well and gives him the chance to sort of lay out his his sort of vision and, I think sort of provide some pretty key updates on on their sort of global expansion. Um, it's it's sort of a, like a broader view. Um, you know, a lot of people like to call it sort of their Musk's mega plans when he sort of brings these out. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to have a look at sort of the future global expansion capacity. Can they sort of meet um, you know those twenty million cars by twenty thirty that he's you know put a put a target on and and sort of overall demand especially in China, I think is going to be key after that reopening. Um, so I think there's plenty to go on. I think we we also had the recent price cuts, which I'd like to hear an update on, uh, particularly around sort of the demand side and, and sort of get a closer look at if Tesla can can also meet the demand for its vehicles in the coming years through that production. Um, and also if that demand is actually you know, sticking, I think in Q4 earnings, they said that demand had so far been uh, outstripping supply at the start of 2023. So let's get some more updates on that. That will be, you know, that'll be nice for shareholders to hear. I think we'll also hear about the sort of proposed gigafactory in Mexico. That's sort of been trending in the news over the last sort of day or so. Um, I think the president or prime minister, whatever they have in Mexico, has sort of come out within the last sort of day or so. And and sort of said that um that you know basically Tesla is going to be opening a gigafactory here, which again is going to be great for the economy. And that's why we've seen names like Canada, Indonesia, and also India are sort of all lobbying for a gigafactory as well, you know, because the amount of jobs it creates, um, the business opportunities, et cetera, is, is sort of huge. Um and let's be clear as well, you know, these aren't going to be cheap, but you know, these are going to cost billions of dollars. I think the the last gigafactory costs in excess of five and a half billion dollars. And, you know, I think rumors to be going to be that the next one could cost around 10 billion as well. So at the same time, although we're looking towards these production numbers, investors are going to want to know how much this is going to cost the business. Tesla has got a pretty healthy balance sheet. Um, anyone wants to know what that balance sheet looks like can can go and listen to the Tesla stock break to, to sort of find that out a bit more. Um, but um, but yeah, healthy balance sheet. But let's see how much it's going to cost them. So look, let's summarize. I think there's going to be four things that I'm going to be really watching for. And I think the key focus for the event for me, I, I think, is going to be the new cheaper model from Tesla. I think this is going to be an EV for the masses. And when we have competition so rife, um we're going to need lower price points from tesla especially when we're seeing lower price points from competition you know wall street really wants a lower priced vehicle between 25 and 30,000 so that's point number 1 point 2 it's cybertruck um we had a little bit of conversation about it on q4 earnings but it's the most anticipated car that they've ever produced and updates on deliveries and production timings, I think, are going to be really key. 
Um, you know, I, I know people who actually have cyber trucks on pre-order. This has been in the making for a long, long time. Um, so I think that's going to be something to, to definitely keep an eye on. Um, broader view here, uh, but Musk's comments, I think, on the self-driving roadmap, um, robo-taxis, and the longer-term goal for Tesla to produce those 20 million vehicles by 2030 um, is going to be key as well, which, as I say, that includes that sort of gigafactory conversation as well. And then finally, the, the thing I'm going to be looking at on top of all of that is going to be just supply chains. So lithium production, battery production, et cetera. Musk is going to take plenty of time, I think, as he does on these calls, to talk about that path to sort of a fully sustainable future for planet Earth. Um, but I think the supply chain conversations will be a big focus on the call as well. You know, how how is sort of those that battery production coming through, our costs coming down? Um, so those are the four points I think are going to be key for investors to watch. Yeah, busy, busy one then. Musk is going to love it, isn't he? This yeah. is all about yeah. him. Uh, and he's got a day just for it all. Richest uh, so man in the world again now as well. So he's I definitely going to love it. saw that a couple of days ago. Yeah, I'm sure he's happy with that. Uh, and I was, as I mentioned, I, I tweeted it out yesterday uh, for those that want to go go check it out. Um, just about the Tesla chart. And it's at a really interesting level. I know it's easy to say that whenever you look at a chart, but just in and around 207, you've got support all throughout May, June, could argue July last year and then into October November before it broke down we're now hitting that as resistance 207 and and there's a bit of a trend line in and around there also the 200 day moving average Tesla investors would love it to break there and if it does I don't really see what stops it to 240 260 and then it's a different conversation to be had uh, but yeah the bears will be looking at this hoping that it can start to move to the downside uh, we'll talk about the charts for our next two companies as well shortly but staying on the EV theme as you said our next company is Neo so for those that don't know Chinese EV manufacturer that designs, develops, and produces smart and connected EVs for the Chinese market. So uh, how are we looking at this? Um, you know, their share price has been under significant pressure in recent months. And, and can their fortunes change at all? Uh, or is it still doom and gloom? Well, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> Look, the market is expecting some big things from Neo, um, particularly in particularly for 2023, um, they delivered 122,000 vehicles in 2022, but markets are expecting that to essentially double in 2023 this year to 240,000 vehicles. Uh, I think that probably comes down to China, uh, obviously starting to reopen. And I think the worst it, you know, in China should sort of probably be behind. I think that's going to help obviously improve production and then obviously see a return of buyers as they sort of begin to, to sort of put the pandemic behind them. Very similar sort of situation for Tesla, really, as well, um, in the sense that, you know, with, with that China is a key market. China is a very, very key market on the EV sort of landscape. Um, but that's looking ahead. I think Q4 results, we're probably going to see some weakness because of delivery numbers, um, missing expectations in Q4. So again, similar to Tesla, those delivery numbers come out uh, pre-earnings and, and they were a little bit short of expectations through those sort of challenges of of sort of lockdowns in production etc um 
The market, though, does expect sales growth to accelerate by about 70% for the quarter. That's going to be better than the 50% uh, from a year ago as well. So again, it's still mixed, I think, for Neo. And I think what's really important to note here is that it's a very crowded EV market in China. Um, and I think investors should watch for further conversation around its launch into Europe. So that's come through Denmark, Sweden, Germany, and the Netherlands at the end of 2022, which I think is going to really help sales. There's some really key markets in Europe for electric vehicles. They've also got some pretty nice price points. I, I spoke about sort of electric vehicles for the masses earlier. These cars can't just be luxuries. If these are going to be mainstream vehicles, they need to be cheaper alternatives. I think Neo is is offering that um, with sort of a broader sort of range of vehicles. But I think the focus for this year for investors will be the the rollouts of those new EVs that I mentioned, um, and I think that should keep sales growth on track. Um, whilst you know lower battery costs. I think should help rejuvenate this year's margins as well. And, you know, margins would have likely bottom out in 2022 and, and should be poised for that recovery, given those sort of inflation pressures, given the sort of increased, uh, you know, costs through supply chains. But the key thing to note here is that this is still a loss-making business and it will stay a loss-making business. Uh, they're in investing heavily into research and development and they're also investing heavily into its sales network. So again, we have to remember that when a company like this and, and when the company is in its growth phase, they are going to lose money you know, in, in this period. It's happened with Tesla in the very beginning. You know, it wasn't profitable until what 2020, 2021. Um, you know, only broke into the SP 500, I think, in, in 2020 as well. So that's the focus. I think that's what investors have to remember sometimes. Um, and now, you know, Tesla's net income is, is absolutely soaring. So, as I say, it is an EV market that is crowded in China. And I think they're doing the right thing with its expansion into Europe. Uh, look, I'm going to be looking for a decent forecast for the full year. I think that's going to be key to provide a bit of positive sentiment back into to, to, to shares and into sort of investors because it is an investor favorite as well. Yep, it is. It is. It's liked a lot. Um, I was looking at the chart, as I said yesterday. Uh, and <clears throat> while, I mean, if you could say it's roughly looking at it again now, November 2021, it's been on just a, a gradual decline share price wise. It's gone to a really interesting level in and around sort of 9.31, which was the gap from May 2020. So while it filled that in September, October last year, we're, we're back on that point. So look, bears don't want to see it go much lower because then you start talking at $5, $2 a share. However, if the trend line from the all-time high breaks and we can find support here, I wouldn't be against seeing a short squeeze higher towards 16, towards 20. So, yeah, it, it's like Tesla. It's at a very interesting point. So I think there will be traders out there watching this very closely, but also investors too, hoping for a push to the upside. Uh, next up for us, we've got Rivian. So for those that don't know, Rivian, California-based uh, EV automaker, um, founded in 2009, the company, as, as many will also know, IPO'd in 2021 and initially went really well, uh, pushed you know considerably higher for for some time, uh, but since then has come under big pressure as well. And I was looking at the chart yesterday, trying to find a silver lining. And 
there wasn't really one for me anywhere near where we're trading. Now, look, earnings can change things for sure. You can, you've seen over the last couple of years, good earnings, companies have got 30% higher, bad earnings, 30% lower. So, you know, earnings can change a lot. But technically, in the build-up um, to the result, it didn't look good. Um, so, Josh, let's talk about that earnings report. Did it change things? Are investors maybe a little bit more happy or are they looking at this and thinking, okay, well, there's a reason why this chart has been on a downward spiral. Um, what insight can it provide for investors out there, growth prospects, future potential in what is a very competitive EV market? Yeah, well, you said it wasn't looking good heading in and and it's exactly right. It wasn't good. Um, yeah. And it's not gone well as well. Shares down well, we're down 10% yeah. uh, after hours last night. And look, and that is just because it was a disappointing result across the board. Revenue missed Wall Street expectations for Q4 and its production guidance for the full year of 2023 fell short uh, of estimates as well. Um, production and vehicle deliveries for the current quarter also missed expectations. The only sort of silver lining was that it's lost its loss uh, for the quarter was slightly less than expected. Um, so yeah, for the full year, 2023 expects a production of 50,000 vehicles. That was expected to be more around the sort of 60,000 number. Um, and for comparison, let's remember that Tesla's planning on doing 1.8 million vehicle deliveries this year. So, you know, there's a big, big gap there. Um, and again, very similar to Neo, another loss-making business. Net loss is going to be 4.3 billion um, in 2023. So it expects slightly lower than what the market had anticipated as well. So another little positive there. But as you say, look, it's been a very difficult journey for Rivian since its IPO. They've had a pretty unforgiving macro backdrop, supply chain issues. They've had recalls on vehicles. And now they've got production numbers that that sort of will disappoint investors, as we can see with that sort of 10% uh, sell-off after hours. You've mentioned it, I mentioned it, competition is rife in this space and low production numbers means that ultimately potential customers will turn to household names such as Ford, General Motors, these names that are ramping up production on EV models, such as, you know, those those trucks, such as the F-150, I think for General Motors, it's the Silverado. If they can't produce these vehicles and they aren't delivering them, you know, in a timely manner, people will go elsewhere. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. When you have this much competition, you know, you, you are going to be moving somewhere else. So look, I think there's the, the car is fantastic i mean i've seen some of the videos online of some of these rivian vehicles they are amazing they look great obviously they've got some fantastic backing with amazon uh, amazon are obviously expecting them to deliver some of their new um their vans their sort of prime vans across their whole fleet which again is great for the business and and obviously amazon have, has invested a lot of money into it but again another loss making business and i think that's the, the that's the tough part here is that this period is going to be really difficult for all automakers. Um, global growth in vehicle sales is expected to slow down this year, and the overall growth of EV adoption uh, is sort of slowing down in terms of growth. But we are still seeing greater adoption in terms of penetrating that traditional vehicle market. But we are seeing that broader slowdown because ultimately 
what this is probably the second biggest purchase that consumers ever have after a house you know with sort of tighter monetary policy globally uh, inflation still high even though rates are high as well you know budgets are being squeezed and people don't have the capital to necessarily go out and and buy a new vehicle or take finance out for a new vehicle so it's difficult for all automakers with their costs higher demand slowing and i think that unprofit unprofitable ev businesses that are ev only businesses such as rivian i think they're going to be vulnerable but also on the other side of that given the sort of trajectory of electric vehicles i think there is plenty of opportunity here um they do have a fair cash pile i must say that uh, having a look through the earnings and and balance sheet this morning they do have a decent cash pile um but is that going to be enough to sort of really navigate them through this period if you know we, we do get a recession um even though we do believe it will be a bit of a shallow recession if there does come one in the us uh it's still something that you have to always look at with with unprofitable businesses and, and as we say mm-hmm. when competition competition is so rife and um and that demand is slowing it's it's going to be a challenge yeah absolutely i was actually uh i was in a car dealership on the weekend and i asked them a question i said can i use cash to pay for a, a new electric car and they said no you have to charge it no <laughs> Um, just on on Rivian, and there will be investors out there um, who have been long or are long and are in a big drawdown. And you know what? Look, I saw a really interesting graphic the other day that says, you know, you only need a couple of big winners throughout your investing career. And it was a it was a chart just talking about the S and P five hundred over thirty years, and then how much Apple has say outperformed it. But what has massively outperformed both of those is Domino's. And also Monster, as in Monster Energy. Like if you get one of those, you're sorted, aren't you? So mm. if you are long Rivian and it's 0.5% or 1% of your account, that's fine. If you are going to lose investments, let's let's get that right. And the risk reward is there for a reason. If, however, you enter and it's five, 10% of your portfolio, that's a big, big risk. So there's there is obviously it pays to be diversified, but also keep that risk management in check. You know, I've got plenty of uh, investments over the years that haven't done too well, but the key is not to put your your life savings on on it. Um, and and we and we and we we're always we're always clear about our our poor investments as well. We've covered them quite <laughs> yeah. quite obviously on this podcast a few times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably could do a little bit more on that. Um, yeah. Let's talk now about the quiz question. So, just for for those that maybe forgot it, haven't given an answer yet. So the S&P 500 uh, on Friday had its one first or eighth 1% or more uh, decline of the year. How many of those were there last year? It was the most since 2008. In 2008, there was 75. So you know it's not more than 75. It's the most since then. You know, I'll, I, I'll give people the a correct point if they get it within either way josh do you have you seen this do you know or do you want to have a, an educated I haven't, guess i haven't i'm just going to throw a number i'm going to say 73 yeah i mean it was close 63 63 okay. which is 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 you know, if i was asked this question I, I do you know what i think i'd have probably said maybe you would have even said more you know just yeah because I, of the... I when you said 80 uh for 2008 i, I genuinely thought it would have been does it have to close at one percent uh do you know what I imagine it would, yes, mm, because I guess that maybe throws that. Yeah, you're right. Because intraday swings, right. yeah, 
yeah yeah maybe that could be the next question just on the swings of the market um but yeah we look we've got to the end of the podcast uh hopefully some of you got that right um hopefully some of you are now more aware of what these companies are, are doing what they're up to uh do check out all the other podcasts and videos that we have on the digest invest website uh, and our youtube channel as well like share subscribe give us a rating all of the above uh josh as usual thank you very much thank you very much sam and i hope everyone enjoys their week take care everyone trade safe you have been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information use etoro.com